Good morning. Have your Bible. You can turn to James chapter 3 this morning. We'll be in James uh, chapter 3, and we'll be looking at verses uh, 1 through 12 this morning of James chapter 3. We're going to continue our series in the book of James called A Faith That Works. And last week we talked about how faith is not a verbal profession, how faith is not an intellectual assertion, but faith is a commitment to action. And this week we're going to talk about, as as Shama mentioned in his prayer, we're going to talk about the tongue. We're going to talk about that if we want to have a faith that works, if we want to have a faith that is not dead and a faith that is not useless, we need to watch our tongue, we need to tame our tongue, because our words and just not our actions are part of our works. And what we need to understand is that the use of our tongue, how we say our words, is an area in which every one of us struggles. There's not a single one of us here today who has not struggled or is not struggling with the use of how we use our tongue. Even myself, believe it or not, I struggle sometimes with my words. I shared a few weeks ago some instances in my life. I will not repeat those. You can go back and watch those messages of of where I've struggled with the things that I've said. But we need to remember that what we say, it reveals a great deal about who we are. And someone said, our tongue paints a self-portrait of us on the canvas of life. In other words, our character is revealed in how we use our tongue and use our words. And if we claim to be followers of Christ, our words should show it. Not just sometimes, not just when we feel like it, but at all times. There was a pastor and he was made aware that that he had a deacon in his church who from time to time he he was known to, to not use appropriate words. So in his attempt to help out his deacon to overcome this habit, he decided that he should spend some time with him, some time alone, and help him overcome this issue that he was having. So he decided to take the deacon to go fishing. He thought, well, that might be a good opportunity for me to talk to him and try to help him and mentor him and to overcome this issue. Well, they were in the boat. They had their lines out in the water. The pastor hooked a big one. The fish put up this humongous fight, but the pastor finally reeled the fish in up to the boat. It was the biggest fish he had ever caught. But just as he started to pull the fish in the boat, the fish got away. Thoroughly disgusted, the pastor turned to the deacon and said, Deacon, something needs to be said here. (laughs) You see, regardless of where we are, regardless of whether we're fishing or at a game or at home, or at work, or at school, or who we're with, or if we're alone. Our speech should always be the same because our words matter. Our speech and our words should always validate our faith. What we say should always corroborate what we believe. We cannot separate the words we speak from our faith, nor can we underestimate or ignore the power of the tongue. And on a daily basis, we have to choose how we're going to use our tongues. And as a follower of Christ, the choice is clear. We need to watch our tongues. We need to be careful about what we say. We need to think before we speak. This includes text. This includes emails. This includes social media posts. Because once the words that we speak are out of our mouth or are written, there's no getting them back. 
You see, our speech, just like our actions, should reveal that we belong to Christ. And they should bring glory and honor to God. 1 Corinthians 10.31, Paul wrote, So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That word, whatever, it includes our speech as well as our actions. And as we go through this passage this morning, I want you to understand the power that your tongue has. And I want you to think about whether or not you are using your tongue, you are using your words in a way that is pleasing to God and that confirms your faith in Christ. So let's read James chapter 3, starting in verse 1. James writes, Not many should become teachers, my brothers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a mature man who is able to control his whole body. Now when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we also guide the whole animal. And consider ships, so very large and driven by fierce winds. They are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though, the tongue is a small part of the body. It boasts great things. Consider how large a forest a small fire ignites. The tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among the parts of, the bod- of our bodies. It pollutes the whole body. It sets the course of our life on fire. It's set on fire by hell. For every creature, animal or bird, reptile or fish, is tamed and has been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who are made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt water spring yield fresh water. Before I get into the destructive nature of the tongue that James refers to in verses 3 through 12, I want to point something out in verses 1 and 2. Because instead of immediately jumping into the issue and the nature of the tongue, James gives a warning to teachers. And the reason James starts with teachers is perhaps... These teachers that James are talking about, they were, they were the ones that were causing the trouble. They were the ones that were stirring up the quarrels. They were the ones that were being unkind and were speaking critical words. They are the ones that were teaching one way and yet acting another. And the, James is warning these teachers to be careful. He's saying you need to be careful because you are spiritual leaders. You are to be examples for others to follow. And he's telling them they need to take the teaching of God's word seriously. Why did he say take God's word seriously? Because he said as teachers of God's word, they are going to expose themselves to greater judgment or stricter judgment. Anyone who teaches the word of God is going to be held accountable of how they teach the word of God and what they teach from the word of God. So be careful when you teach God's word. Because teaching requires the constant use of the tongue. James is saying these teachers can sin easily while leading others astray at the same time. And false teaching is not about content. False teaching is also about conduct. People who teach God's word must watch their conduct. They must watch what they say just as much as what they teach because they have so much responsibility for the spiritual welfare of those to whom they are teaching. Teachers can't teach one thing and do another. 
They can't say, do as I say and not as I do. And James is making it clear that greater knowledge of the Word of God brings with it greater responsibility to live according to the Word of God. And you may be thinking, well, I'm not a teacher. This does not apply to me. I'm just going to sit this one out. Think again. Because let me remind you of the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19, which which applies to all believers. And Jesus said this, As you go, as you live your life, Make disciples of all nations, teaching them everything that I have commanded you. So this teaching of the tongue just does not apply to Sunday school teachers, but to everyone who has received Christ. Because we are all to be teachers of God's word if we've given our life to Jesus. So James is speaking just not to teachers, he's speaking to every one of us who put our faith in Christ. And he's saying that we need to watch what we say. So why do we need to watch what we say? Verses 3 through 12, I just read. I'm going to give you three reasons we need to watch what we say. The first reason is this. Because our tongue possesses the power to direct our lives. Our tongue possesses the power to direct our lives. Verses 3 and 4, he said, Now when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we also guide the whole animal. James makes an illustration of how small objects can be used to control and guide and direct larger items. He gives the example of placing bits in the mouths of horses. Because with these bits, horses can be made to obey and their whole body turned into the direction they are being led. And when you control the mouth of a horse, you control the whole body. And that's exactly what James is saying in verse 2. He said, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a mature man who is also able to control his whole body. James says, if we control our tongue, we are to bridle or control our entire being. And the sign of a mature Christian, the sign of a Christian who desires to perfect their faith, is one who strives to never stumble in what they say or how they say it, and only uses words motivated by their faith in God and motivated by their love for others. James, however, also said in verse 2, he said, we all stumble with our words. He said, we all stumble. You know what James is doing? He's not excluding himself. He's including himself. He says, even I stumble in using my words. And James knows that we are not going to be perfect in this life. He knows that's not going to happen until we get to heaven. He knows we are going to say things we wish we wouldn't have said that can set the course of our lives or change the course of our lives. And that's why he uses the example of a rudder in verse 5. Or in verse 4, he says, Consider ships so very large and driven by fierce winds. They are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. As we know, a rudder is a relatively small piece of metal that guides and controls a large ship, even in the midst of strong wind, James says. All the pilot or the captain does, he turns the wheel, which turns the rudder, and the ship goes in the way that the rudder directs it. In regards to our bodies, our tongue is a very small member. However, as the bit determines the direction of the horse, as the rudder determines the direction of the ship, the tongue determines the direction of our lives. 
And if we are not careful, our tongue will steer us in a direction that we do not want to go. And in verse 5, James says, even though it's small, it can boast great things. What does he mean by our tongue can boast great things? He's meaning our, our tongue can legitimately make the claim that it has considerable power. And not only does our tongue have considerable power, James says in verses 7 and 8, it cannot be tamed by anyone. Look at what verses 7 and 8 says. It says, the tongue, a world of an, or for every creature, animal or bird, reptile or fish is tamed as has been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. James says it's easier to tame wild animals, whether it be a snake or a seal, or a dolphin, or a whale, or elephant, or horse, or lion, than it is to tame the tongue. I'm amazed when I've been at places like the zoo, or gone to places like SeaWorld, and see how these trainers can tame these wild animals. We went to SeaWorld when our boys were young in San Antonio, and they had a walrus. Walruses are large animals. But this walrus could do amazing things, because they trained it. How you train a walrus, I have no idea. We can't even train our dog. But James says all these animals can be tamed, but he says there's one thing that can't be tamed, and he says that is your tongue. It's extremely difficult for us or for anyone else to bring our tongues under control. That's something that we can never achieve on our own. That's something that no one else can achieve for us because our nature is to do things of the flesh instead of to do the things of God. Romans seven nineteen, Paul wrote this, I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil I don't want to do. Paul said, I don't do the, I'm not able to do the things I should do. Instead, I do the things that I don't want to do, but that's the things I do anyway. Why? Because of sin. You see, it's easier for our speech to resemble that of the world than for our speech to resemble that which is of Christ. This, however, is no license no excuse for us to say what we want, when we want, or how we want. On one occasion, Lady Astor, who was an American-born British politician, and actually was the first woman seated as a member of Parliament in Great Britain, and she served from 1919 to 1945, and, and she and Winston Churchill had a love-hate relationship. And they were engaged in a verbal exchange one day, and she told him, if I were your wife, I'd put arsenic in your tea. He responded, if I were your husband, I would drink it. <laughs> Some of you may be feeling like that today, I don't know. But, but in that moment, Winston Churchill was not able to control his tongue. And this should be no surprise, as James says, no one can control their tongue. But what we can't do, God can do. Because even though in our own strength it's impossible for us to control our tongue, it is possible for God to control our tongue if we allow him to do it. Luke one thirty seven says, Nothing is impossible with God. That word nothing includes the taming of our tongue. You see, it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can bring our speech under control. And conform our speech to the will of God. And if we want God to help us control our tongue, here's the key. We must allow God to control us. If you don't allow God to control you, you're not going to be able to control your tongue. 
But if you allow God to control you, you will be able to control your tongue because God's going to be the one through the Holy Spirit that's controlling you. That we must be willing to submit to his authority. We must be willing to give him control of our tongue. And we cannot let our tongues get the best of us. That's why James said in 119 that we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because the times we usually say things we should not say and wish we had not said are the times that we get angry. And we may regret what we say, but we can never take those words back. The damage is already done. That's why Proverbs 13.3 says, The one who guards his mouth protects his life. The one who opens his lips invites his own ruin. You see, we can either allow our tongue to control us and bring ruin into our lives, or we can choose to control our tongue by allowing God to control us and we can protect our lives. And if we are able to exercise careful control of our tongue under the leadership and the direction of the Holy Spirit, By giving him complete control of our life, we will be able to direct our entire life in the right direction. So what is the key to making sure that your life is going in the right direction, God's direction? It's allowing God to control your life and to control your tongue. The second thing I want to point out is our tongue possesses not only the power to direct our lives, our tongue also possesses the power to destroy our lives and the lives of others. Look at verses 5, into verse 5, into verse 6. He says, Consider how large a forest a small fire ignites. The tongue is a fire. The tongue is a world of unrighteousness. It's placed among the parts of our bodies. It pollutes the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is set on fire by hell. Something as small as the tongue can have a huge impact on our lives and the lives of others. And our tongue has the potential to cause destruction, just like a small spark can set a forest on fire. Forest fires are not usually caused by large fires. Forest fires are usually caused by small sparks. On the news all the time, we hear about fires and wildfires in California that destroy thousands and thousands of acres and hundreds of homes and even take lives. Most of those fires are started by things like weed eaters or lawnmowers or embers that escaped from someone's barrel as they were burning paper in a barrel. Even a couple years ago, they had a large forest fire that consumed thousands and thousands of acres and destroyed Homes and actually killed a firefighter that was started by a gender reveal party that went bad because they decided to use a pyrotechnic device for the gender reveal and it was very dry and once that pyrotechnic device exploded and hit that dry grass it caused major, major damage and including the loss of lives you see it does not take much to start a wildfire And in verse 6, James writes, the tongue is a fire. So if our tongue is a fire, what caused the fire? You know what caused the fire? That one little word that came out of your mouth. That's what caused the fire. And in our lives, firestorms, disastrous consequences are usually the results of our own words. And James gives us a picture of the damage our tongue can do. 
He says in verse 6, Our tongue is a world of evil or unrighteousness among many members. James is saying our tongues will defile us. Our tongues will wreak havoc on our godly lives because a wrong word, an angry moment can affect how others see us. It can ruin our witness. It can destroy our credibility as a Christian. If you want to ruin your witness and destroy your credibility as a Christian, use words that don't bring glory and honor to God and you'll do it in a heartbeat. He also said our tongues corrupt or pollute the whole person. What does he mean by that? He's referring to true religion in in 126. If you go to verse 126, which we looked at a few weeks ago, he said, If anyone thinks his religious, without controlling his tongue but deceiving his heart, his religion is useless. James said, if we don't control our tongue, he said, our faith is useless. He said, we don't have true religion. And he said, we cannot have true religion if we don't have a tight rein on our tongue because it destroys our whole being, including our relationship with God. James also says it sets the whole course of life on fire. James is referring to the extent of the devastation that the tongue can create in a person's life. Because what you say, how you speak, it impacts every aspect of your life and it affects those around you. The words you speak can affect your family. The words you speak can affect your friends. The words you speak can affect your co-workers. The words you speak will not only affect you, but they affect those around you. And we are often known by the way that we talk. And what we say, it gives a really good indication of who we are and what we really believe and what we're really about. Matthew 15, 11 and verses 18 and 19, Jesus said this, It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of a mouth, this defiles a man. What comes out of the mouth comes from the heart, and this defiles a man. For from the heart comes evil thoughts and murders and adulteries and sexual immoralities and thefts and false testimonies and blasphemies. These are the things that defile our man. What was Jesus saying? We are defined by the words we use and what we say reveals the condition of our heart. James also said that our tongues are set on fire by hell. That's some strong language. He says, our tongues are set on fire by hell. And the word hell there is the word Gehenna. And Gehenna was referring to the city dump outside of Jerusalem where they put the trash and they put the bodies of dead animals. And, they, and executed criminals were dumped there and burned there. And it came to mean the place of torment, which we know as hell, which is the place of eternal punishment. So James referred to our tongues as set on fire by hell as Gehenna. Because what he's saying is the power of Satan himself is what gives our tongue its great destructive potential. And if we're not careful, our tongue will become a tool of Satan. If we're not careful, our tongue will fulfill Satan's purposes to corrupt and deceive and pollute and destroy. And if we give Satan a foothold in our lives through our speech, he will use our tongue to do his work. If we're not careful with what we say, and we give Satan a foothold in our life, he will use our tongue as believers to do his work. But do not blame the devil for your speech. Do not blame the devil how you use your tongue. Do not blame the devil for the words you use, because you have a choice of whether or not to say 
those words. You and you alone are accountable for the words that come out of your mouth. Don't blame Satan. Don't blame others. And maybe before we speak, we need to ask ourselves, does what I'm about to say going to bring glory and honor to God? You see, God did not intend for our tongues to be used for any speech that can inflict harm on others. Ephesians 4, 29, and going through chapter 5, verse 4 says this. No rotten talk should come from your mouth, but only what is good for the building up of someone in need in order to give grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit who sealed you for the day of redemption. All bitterness and anger and wrath, insult and slander must be removed from you along with all wickedness. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God forgave you in Christ. Chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Walk in love as the Messiah loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. But sexual immorality, any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you as is proper for saints. And coarse and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving thanks. Paul said no unwholesome talk should come out of our mouths. This includes sarcasm. When I was younger, I was a very sarcastic person. Some of you may think more than you are today. The answer is yes. I've toned it down. I heard laughter over here. So. But I'm, I used to be a very, very sarcastic person, especially in college. And there were times where my sarcasm along with my friends went way too far. And by our words, we impacted and we hurt others. Gossip is unwholesome talk. Spreading of rumors. Gossip is harder to stop than a forest fire. Proverbs 10, 18 says, Whoever spreads slander or gossip is a fool. And think what enormous and sometimes irreversible harm can be caused by unsubstantiated false rumors. Think of lives that can be ruined when people are gossiped about and talked about. He's talking about lies. He's talking about including half-truths. He's talking about telling stories. He's talking about giving empty promises, maybe embellishing yourself like on social media. Proverbs twelve nineteen says, a lying tongue only endures for a moment. He's referring to arrogant boasting. Proverbs eighteen two says, a fool only wants to show off his opinion. There are a lot of fools in the world today. A fool only wants to show off his opinion. Proverbs 27, 1, he says, Do not boast about tomorrow. The Bible is very clear about boasting arrogantly about ourselves. But it does say one thing we can boast about. Galatians six fourteen, Paul said, I will never boast about anything except the cross. The only thing we have permission in Scripture to boast about is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And why would we not want to boast about the gospel more than anything else? Because the gospel is the only thing that can change lives. The gospel is the only thing that can change hearts. And if anyone in Scripture could boast about anything other than Jesus, it would be the Apostle Paul himself. But Paul said, forget all my accomplishments. 
Forget about all what I've done. The only thing I'm going to boast about is Jesus Christ. And if you want to use your tongue in the right way, boast about Jesus. Boast about the gospel. Boast about what Jesus has done in your life and what he's done for you. That's how you can make a difference in someone's life. It can also cause unnecessary conflict when we use unwholesome talk. How are conflicts and quarrels started among people? Usually by the use of words. Proverbs 18.6 says, A fool's lips lead to strife. His mouth provokes a beating. Proverbs 18.13 says, The one who gives an answer before he listens, this is foolishness and disgrace for him. You see, instead of using our words to cause conflict, maybe we should think about using our words to resolve conflict. He's also referring to inappropriate language, to slander, to insults, to any unkind words. And all this unwholesome talk that James and Paul are referring to, these kinds of words have no place in the life of believer. They have no place in our lives as followers of Christ. In fact, Ephesians 4.30, Paul said that we grieve God's Holy Spirit when we use unwholesome talk. And I'm sure not many of us really want to grieve the Holy Spirit of God as followers of Christ. But when we use talk that's not pleasing to God, when we use talk that is ungodly, we in fact do grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, I was taught growing up, if you can't say anything nice about someone, don't say anything at all. That's not biblical, but I think it's true. You won't find that in Scripture, but I think the principle is there. If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. And there's that, that lyric that we grew up with. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. That's the furthest thing from the truth. Whoever came up with that lyric did not understand the power of words and the power of the tongue. Because words inflict emotional pain... And words leave emotional scars that can last a lifetime, that can lead to depression, that can lead to loneliness. I just read an article this morning uh, about uh, the great female tennis star, Naomi Osaka. She lost yesterday. And as she was going off the court, a heckler yelled loud enough to where she could hear some very inappropriate words towards her. It brought her to tears. And if you know her story, she has some emotional issues she's dealing with anyway. Very fragile emotionally. And because of what was said to her, this caused her to break down in tears. And probably to feel very depressed and very broken. And you know, people have done some drastic things to themselves or others because of what someone said to them. People have hurt themselves. People have even gone so far as to take their own lives because of what someone said to them. Or it could go the other way. It caused them to hurt others and kill others because words that have been said to them and how they have been treated. And you know what? You can get over physical hurt a lot easier than you can emotional hurt. It's far easier to heal from wounds caused by sticks and stones than the damage caused by words. I'd much rather be hit any day than for someone to say something degrading about me. You see, in a matter of moments, by saying something we shouldn't say, 
We literally can destroy a person's life. We literally can destroy our relationship with others. We can affect our relationship with Christ. And we can destroy our character and our Christian witness. That's why James says in verse 8, he says, Our tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison that cannot be tamed. Our tongue is dangerous. Our tongue is deadly. Our tongue is hard to control because it's always seeking a way to escape. It does not want to be restrained. And most problems that we have with others are caused by how we use our words. And think about how our speech has hurt and brought pain to others. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's at school. Maybe it's even right here at church. Maybe it's in your own family. And whether intentionally or unintentionally, the words that you say, think about how they may have brought pain and hurt to others. And in a church, it's detrimental for people to talk about one another. Because if we as believers talk about each other in a negative way, we are going to do exactly what Satan wants. When we talk about others and tear down others who are part of the body of Christ, we're going to destroy the unity that is necessary to fulfill God's purpose for our church and for our lives. And I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. You know how Satan destroys a church? It's from the inside out, not from the outside in. Satan uses people within the church to destroy the church. How? By using their words. As believers in Christ, as part of the body of Christ, we have to be very careful how we use our words. Words also can tear families apart. Words are detrimental for a family. It disrupts family relationships. And and many families have been torn apart by words. There are families where parents haven't talked to their kids in years. Where siblings haven't talked to each other for years. Why? Because of all something that someone said. And guess who wins? Not you. Satan. Guess who's at fault? Not Satan. Us. Guess who's the only one we can blame for the words we use? Ourselves. You see, through the misuse of our tongue, families are devastated. Relationships are broken. Lives are destroyed and churches are ruined. Proverbs 18.7 says, A fool's mouth is his devastation and his lips a trap for life. Do not let your mouth devastate you. Do not let your mouth become a trap. Do not let your tongue be a raging, out-of-control fire. Do not let your words escape before considering what you are about to say. Instead, Be careful with your words and be wise with your tongue. The third thing I'm going to say is our tongue possesses the power to degrade others. Verses 9 through 12, James writes, With it, meaning our tongue, we bless our Lord and Father. With it, we curse men who are made in man's likeness. Out of the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt water spring yield fresh water. You see, in these James verses, in these verses, James addresses a fundamental problem with our tongue. The fact that it is uncontrollable. 
He said the problem with our speech is it's inconsistent. He says one minute we're praising God and the next minute we're tearing someone down and we're engaging in ungodly and worldly talk. And James uses a strong word here. He uses the word cursing your brother. That word cursing has the idea of degrading or disrespecting those who are made in God's image. And what we do when we curse someone in this way is we're calling on God to cut them off from any possible blessing and condemn them to hell. You see, whereas praising God is the highest form of speech, cursing those who God created in his likeness is the lowest form of speech. And in essence, when we curse someone in this way, we are cursing God's creation. And ultimately, we are cursing the Creator, God Himself. And there is no way that praise and cursing should come out of the same mouth. To do so is to be a double-minded person, as James described in James 1.8. If you go back to James 1.8, he says this. He says, an indecisive man is unstable in all his ways, or a double-minded man. That means one who has a double heart, one who has divided allegiances, one who has divided loyalties, one who claims to know God but doesn't want to live in obedience to God. And when praise and cursing come out of our mouths, we are living a double-minded life. Because we claim to know God, but yet we are refusing to live in obedience to Him. A Greek philosopher asked his servant to provide the best dish possible. So the servant prepared a dish of tongue, and he said this, It's the best of all dishes, because with it we may bless and communicate happiness and dispel sorrow, remove despair and cheer the faint-hearted and inspire the discouraged, and say a hundred other things to uplift mankind. Later, the philosopher asked his servant to provide the worst dish of which he could think. A dish of tongue appeared on the table. The servant said, it's the worst because with it we may curse and break human hearts, destroy reputations, promote discord and strife, set families, communities, and nations at war with each other. He was a wide servant. Because the tongue can be the best dish, but can also be the worst dish. Proverbs 18.21 says the tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue has the power of life and death, meaning the, the power to praise and the power to tear down and curse. And those who love it will eat its fruit. You see, our tongue can either lift a person's spirit or it can break their spirit. Our tongue can either crush someone's heart or heal someone's heart. Our tongue can either bring division or cause division or bring unity. There is power in our tongue. Our words have impact. In their jointly written book, Words Can Change Your Brain, Dr. Andrew Newberg, who's a neuroscientist at Thomas Jefferson University, and Mark Waldman, who's a communication expert, wrote this. They said a single word has the power to influence the expression of genes that regulate physical and emotional stress. And furthermore, according to these two experts in their field, exercising positive thoughts can quite literally change one's reality. There is power in our tongue. Our words do matter. And literally, our words can change someone's life for the good 
or the bad. But we cannot say we love God and worship Him and praise Him on Sunday and then turn around and assassinate someone's character throughout the week. This is not of God. And if we claim we are of God, this should not be of us either. Because with our tongue, we should praise God and worship God. With our tongue, we should encourage others. With our tongue, we should express love and appreciation to others. We should pray for others. We should pray with others. And we should share the gospel with others. And what a difference our words can make in someone's life. And no doubt, there are those who have spoken words into my life that have made a huge, huge difference. I remember when I was teaching at Harvest Christian Academy, uh, when I was in seminary, I had a parent who, who stopped me one day. I had several of his children in class. He just, wanted, he just gave me words of encouragement and said, if there's anything I can do for you, please let me know because we appreciate you. That made a world of difference to me. Throughout my ministry, cards, texts, phones, emails, saying how much we appreciate you and, and we just want to encourage you. Numerous people throughout my ministry have done that. And you know what? It's made a difference. Because those words seem to come at the right time when you're thinking, what kind of difference am I making? What good am I doing? Man, I'm having a bad day. And then someone gives you that word of encouragement. It lifts you up and it encourages you. Encouragement goes a long way. And instead of using our tongues to hurt and to harm, we need to use our tongues to help and to heal. And just as fresh water and salt water can't flow from the same spring, and just as a fig tree can't produce olives or a grapevine produce figs, neither should a believer's mouth produce any speech other than to praise God and bring glory to God. And like must produce like. And what you are like is determined by what comes out of your mouth. People will be able to see by the words you use whether or not you truly are a follower of Jesus Christ. And our ability to be holy and pure in our speech is dependent upon the purity of our heart. Because if we've been transformed by the gospel, if we've been changed by the Holy Spirit, if we have new life in Christ, then the purity of our heart should be evident in the consistency and the purity of our speech. But if our speech does not mirror the heart of God, that something is not right in our relationship with Him. And if our relationship with God is not what it should be, then our speech is not going to be what it should be either. Because only a renewed heart, only a pure heart, can produce pure speech. I can't emphasize enough how we use our tongues is a reflection of the condition of our heart. Because a heart full of hate a heart full of resentment, a heart full of bitterness, a heart full of anger cannot and will not produce loving words and godly speech. However, a heart that loves God and a heart that loves others can't help but produce godly speech. Proverbs twelve eighteen says, There is one who speaks rashly like a piercing sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I want to challenge you to commit today to use your tongue for praising God and for the building up and the encouraging of others and not for the tearing down and the degrading of others. In conclusion, 
is evident from James that our tongue may be small, but our tongue has great power. It has the power to direct our lives. It has the power to destroy our lives and the lives of others. It has the power to degrade others. And we must realize that our words are part of our works. And how we use our words will tell others about our relationship with God. It will reveal to others our character and the condition of our heart more than anything else. That's why we must be careful to guard our tongues and use our words wisely. I'm reminded of the song I sung as a kid. I won't sing it for you. I'll just share the chorus with you. It says, Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little tongue, what you say. And even though we will never completely control our tongues in this life, we should always be careful in what we say. And we should never quit trying to tame our tongues. We should never give up. We should never say what's the use. But we should always strive to be Christ-like in our speech and to glorify God and lift up others with what comes out of our mouth. Because one day, we are going to be held accountable for every word we say. Every word I say, every word you say, you're going to be held accountable one day when you stand before God. Matthew 12, 37, Jesus said, For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. If you want to have a faith that works, if you want to have true religion, if you want to be a doer of the word, if you want to live a life pleasing to God and mature in your faith, if you want to strive to be perfect as God is perfect, then you must watch your tongue and control what you say. And if you watch your tongue, And if you use talk that is wholesome and godly and not worldly, then you will be able to control your body, as James said in 1-2. And then you can live a life that is right in the eyes of God. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you this morning, and we just thank you so much for your word. And Father, I just pray that this morning we would recognize the power that our tongue has. Father, I pray that we would recognize that our tongue has the power to direct our lives. It has the power to destroy, and it has the power to degrade your creation. Father, I pray each one of us here today would commit to use words that only bring glory and honor and praise to your name and lift you up. And Father, I just pray that you would use this message to speak to hearts this morning. And Father, I pray if there's someone here who does not know you, I pray today would be their day of salvation. And Father, I pray for us as believers that we would examine our hearts. Because Father, if our heart is not right with you, there's no way our tongues can be right. Father, if our hearts aren't pure, there's no way our speech can be pure. Father, the misuse of words is a heart problem. And Father, I pray if there are those here this morning who who realize that they've used their tongues in ways to hurt others and tear down others instead of to encourage others and praise you. I pray this morning they would ask for forgiveness and maybe even come to this altar this morning and recommit their life to you and allow you to have control of every area of their lives. God, speak to hearts this morning. Work as only you can work. And we ask all these things in your name. Amen. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never received Jesus. If you've never received Jesus, we would love to show you how you can come 
and give your heart to Christ because that is the first step in controlling your tongue and controlling your body is giving your life to God so he can do that for you. Maybe you're here this morning and you put your faith in Christ. I ask you, does your speech reflect the heart of God? Does your speech glorify God? Does your speech bring encouragement and comfort and healing to others? Maybe you're struggling with controlling your tongue. Maybe you need to ask God to help you and commit control of your tongue to Him daily. Maybe you've hurt someone with your words. Maybe you've damaged a relationship. I want you to understand that you can't let that go, that you need to reconcile that relationship. You need to forgive that person who spoke those words to you, or you need to seek their forgiveness and seek God's forgiveness if you spoke words to someone that hurt them. Because your heart will not be right with God until your heart is right with others. Or maybe this morning you know you've ruined your witness because of words that you've said lately. Maybe you need to ask God to help your words be consistent with your faith. Or maybe you're here this morning, God's asking you to join our church, to follow God in baptism. Or maybe you just need to come to this altar and pray. I'll be down at the front if you want to pray with me. If you want to talk to me, I'd be glad to talk to you. But respond in obedience to God this morning in his word. Let's stand and sing.